Welcome to Bloody Good Horror. Everybody and welcome in to Bloody Good Horror. My name is Eric, and I'll be your host for this evening, where we will be reviewing the Fear Street trilogy, uh, as brought to you by Netflix and I guess originally R.L. Stein. Um, sort of. We got Damn straight. By, okay. We got to get it. We're gonna <laughs> believe me. We're gonna get into some R.L. Stein because I now have. Some... I'm sure it was like all ghost written <laughs> like factories. Right. Uh, joining me tonight, first up. From Indiana, please welcome Casey. Hello. Hello, Casey. Next up from Maryland, John. You're not long for Maryland, is that right? At like four weeks, five weeks. Yeah. Please uh, welcome John Schnarch to the show. Hello, Eric. John, I'm in talks right now with a company from New York City about a job thing. Should I be? Should, I tell, New York should I tell them that there's a possibility, like they could be reconnecting me with my life partner here? You you could be living on my couch. <laughs> I mean, I haven't asked Suzanne about that, but it's the dream. I'm sure it's fine. Talks about it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tease me, John. Last up tonight on the show, first timer. Please welcome special Fear Street correspondent from Memphis, Tennessee. Welcome Elizabeth to the show. Howdy, guys. Elizabeth is a person who taught me hey. where Memf- or where Tennessee is, really, even just the whole state. <laughs> the whole what? state. It's, it's wide. We take up space. Yeah. And like, eh. It really is. Um, I don't read books, so we figured let's get a person who reads books. <laughs> and Well, I don't read, like, books. I read, like kind of trash you read like a lot of this age. yeah you read a lot of you this read um when you were younger you read a lot of this young adult horror smut when no, you I were a kid read. so we figured um, it was the perfect effort yeah. yeah um yeah i would say that my experience really with rl stein stops at goosebumps like and i was saying this pre-show a very specific thing where did you guys have like scholastic book fairs at your school? So that would happen. You still do those, Eric. That's John, still a thing. I would go in this cycle with myself. That would happen. And I'd be like, Oh my God, look at these fucking, cause I loved horror shit. And I was like, look at these mm-hmm. covers. These look amazing. But then in my head, I'd be like, but do I read though? Like, do I read? And I'm like, but look at that. It's so, okay. I, I'm do gonna, I like that with words. I'd be like, I'm going to get into this, but that it would be so cool. And it would be a thing. And everybody was doing, it, I'd be like, I'm totally going to get into this. And then, I guess we'll just have my mom order these books that I then, I know I never read. I never read a single one of these things, but I'm sure I- The Goosebumps, I, you didn't? No, I didn't. So like- you, The Goosebumps are like, you could sit down for 45 minutes. Dude, for right? real. <laughs> like I would bring like 12 on vacation with me and just be like, next, next. That and we'd have to go problem. to- We'd have to, to go to stop, B. Dalton's yeah. and see if they had any more. Well, we let's talk horrible. about it, Elizabeth, because you introduced me to these Fear Street books and we actually have been like kind of reading some of them together. They are amazing and terrible and hilarious. But I also totally get like the appeal. Do you want to just talk about that a little bit? Well, yeah. First, I would love to inform the um, listeners that by reading them together, what Eric means is we read them aloud to one another (laughs) while on car rides and whatnot. Um, 
so dramatic reading. It's it's a yes. lot of fun and very easy to do with uh, the subject material there. Oh my god, that's uh, amazing. R.L. Stein likes to paint word pictures mm. about his 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 ladies, especially. It's like so it'll be like. Tiffany sat at her daybed with her left knee tucked under her, right. carefully chewing her cuticle with her amber <laughs> hair flowing. Like, like if, right. Like if Tiffany has red hair and that's braided, every single time Tiffany steps into a scene, he will run down the entire description, her physical description. The man has a thesaurus. He uses well, it. But I think we decided too that it's like really obvious. It's like a lot of page filler. So there's like, there's way more description of every single movie. Oh, he had a word count that he was trying to hit. I've done this well, before. Yeah. We've they, all done they this They had to before. get to it a length. I mean, yeah. I think you also mentioned you thought that you had read somewhere that some of them are ghostwritten as well. That this just I became mean, a, like a, I would a mill say for at some any point. author of a series where it's this prolific, the volume, um, that's in the water I like you know you hear that about well Shakespeare even <laughs> like you really you hear, that, <laughs> you hear about that about Shakespeare anybody who has like uh what map. is the count like I was trying to see it's over 100 we, it's I mean I was looking at just, just for Fear Street, Street page. just Fear Street well and they're insane and the lineage is murky right like sometimes they were tangentially related or not Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so 1989 was when the first one was published. They have sold over 80 million copies. Um, and he was trying to... Re well, he did revive it in 2014. Uh, to what effect, I'm not sure. I started reading them probably in 94. Tragically young, honestly. Like, I have no business reading these. But what was worse <laughs> is when I... Back kept going down that aisle at the library and was like, who's Christopher Pike? What is, <laughs> dude, because Christopher Pike, Christopher Pike was like the um, Clive Barker of like <laughs> YA pulp It's fiction. like dark. Yeah. Like they would, they would be lizard people by the end of it and like being beamed up to the mothership. They definitely, definitely had sex and sometimes did coke at parties and stuff. It was very scandalous. <laughs> so I, so I read a lot of Goosebumps. I mean, mm -hmm. like, 10 or so and it got to the point where I, they were too short i mean sort of elizabeth to your point like i was like i you know i need and i just went right to christopher pike so yeah. i was probably in like third or fourth grade maybe Dude, right you know what yeah. i'm talking about like they're <laughs> fucking and they were like shit you learn about some stuff well so i went then from christopher pike to stephen king Same. very quickly it was Same. like i read like it's gateway five christopher pike books and i was like 100%. fuck it just give me yeah. the real deal like, i'm R.L. Stein solidly is like, all right, I got your tropes. You got this girl, this guy, this happens, blah, blah, blah. Like, look for this if we have this plot twist. When you get to Christopher Pike, it's like, that shit takes some left turns. It's very Shamalamian. Like, I, there's <laughs> stuff going on that it's like, it'll end up like being a cult or like they're all, like all the teachers are like witches or so. Like, he'll just come out of left field with some shit. So that was like really creative and interesting. R.L. Stein taught me everything I know about like hearing a stick break in the woods. It's in like a movie. true. Yeah, like, it's like true starter horror. It's it, also it like, is like a textbook. So I have a question, but I also would say that it's um, he in particular. I think that we joke about a lot is that he like uses it's like a bot. An it's AI like those jokes on Twitter that's like I fed this into a bot and they wrote this because like so much of it is robotic, but also he uses phrases and words that are not real. Like the one we mm -hmm. are like inside jokes in one of these books he refers to a trash basket Very not a waste basket or a trash can but a trash basket like no one so has like, ever said everybody that. just like think about it for real so <laughs> for a second does this sound natural so my question is shauna tripped on the trash basket <laughs> 
So my question is this though, like, because when I'm reading these Fear Street books in particular, and this is, you know, it's 2021, we're post-gender here, but I sense that in the 90s that these books feel more skewed to a female audience for me because the main characters are female, the way that they talk about the boys and the love interests, like, am I off on that or like... I'm just curious. No, it was, I think it was definitely marketed for um, female readers, which is interesting because he was like a dude in his like, what, 30s in the right. 90s? Well, I haven't yeah, done that. In the 90s, I think he was even later. Even, eh, he's 77 now. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, Math. 43. 40s, no, he would have yeah. been, yeah, he would have been in his mid I mean, it was like him and Judy Bloom. He just got girls. He just knew yeah. what we were thinking. <laughs> no, it was it was <laughs> problematic sometimes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure book reading in general skews female. Um, yeah. and so right, right. To- dude, totally. That's what I remember from. That's what I remember growing up, right? And being like, oh, um, you know, b- girls are discriminated against in like the sciences or math. And I'm like, all I remember from high school is all the girls being way smarter than all the guys and like applying themselves more. It like I get it. Like I once it was pointed out to me, I saw it. But to my own experience, I was like, yeah. Girls are smart. Like that's my whole high school experience. Not me. I was are like, we going to get through the gender wage gap here? Or like, what's... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. So I think that's a good place to move on. I just kind of want to touch base on like where we all were with that stuff. Good to know. Schnars, Christopher Pike. I like it. Well, yeah. And I had never read any, I'd read zero Fear Street books. So I had no like frame of reference going into these movies, but now, like we've talked through some of it. I mean, even some of the stuff we talked to tonight and over email. My frame uh, of reference is we. I'll, I'm standby. I want standby. If you guys have questions yeah. about just the. Yeah. My frame of I've reference is we read we read sixty percent of the book that the skull guy comes from. That's my frame of reference. Ooh, this one. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the skull person yet. Like it's not. There you go. I never, you know, read, I never read any of the R.L. Stein books or the Christopher Pike books. I went I went straight to Stephen King when I started out exploring books. It was my first one, and I never looked back. That's not like you missed much, but it definitely yeah. was like an education in horror. Yeah. But I did work in like a bookstore in college, stuff like that, so I knew who they were. And we did read some Goosebumps to Delaney when she was growing up, but she got more into Animorphs than goof, uh, Goosebumps. I, did, like, so. I loved Animorphs, and she wrote another series that I was really into called Making Out that took place in Maine. <laughs> About a family of lobster fishermen. <laughs> Making out? Mm-hmm. Okay. I have a lot yeah, of questions that about far. that. We're going to get into off air. So let's take a quick break right now so that we can discuss the Fear Street trilogy. This is it, John, what are you looking at right now? You look like a confused puppy. Well, I'm looking at the word, Eric. Oh, got it. But uh, well, before we get to that, can I, origin here. I have a question. Have you ever been a lifeguard before? I have, yeah. Because that's you what know you, he has. That's what you look I like, right? Like this hair. You are 100% a guy who's a lifeguard his whole life. Mm-hmm. Like you're just like this is the life, man. This is what I want. Like. <laughs> You know, I mean, and then during the off season, like he good gig. during the off season, he takes care of like the rich people's houses that only live there during the summer. Like that's how he makes it through the winter. And then it's like right back to lifeguarding. Wait, are like the rich ladies there? Something? Eric writes fan fiction <laughs> about this schnars. Yeah, there I think there's maybe some rich lady action going on there, John. I I, I would right. believe that. Yeah. You're I think we got an R.L. Stein novel on our hands here. So. <laughs> right, just add, add a Christy, give just, her some red hair. You just, guys got a story. Just add in a couple of twists and some yeah. fucking cliffhangers, and you got it. Yeah, dude. Yeah, oh, Eric, okay. I worked as a lifeguard while also working at the video store. 
for oh, that's like the dream. two or three summers. Yeah, it was it was the best. I've been going through life. this like existential thing lately where I've been, I like was talking to my mom about it. Like, why didn't I work at a video store? I tried. Like by the time I guess I was working age, so many of them were out of business and I knew I didn't want to work at like Hollywood because I'm like, I don't want to work at the corporate video store. I want to work at the one where I can just put on whatever I want. I want the one that doesn't care about what I do. We did that. That was me. Hollywood seemed like they had standards for their employees is what I'm trying to say. And I I was not I can't well, they hear it. so much for their films. I can't tell you how many times my mom came home from Hollywood because it was what was close to the house they bought later. In, and uh, it would be like, not Cloverfield. It would be like Cloverdome or something. And it's like, what <laughs> was, uh, Asylum Presents. I'm like, mom. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's, like that's a buyer beware situation yeah. in my book. You gotta, you gotta be an informed consumer. All right, John Schnars, you, uh, you're something. All right, please bring us the word of the day. <laughs> I was going to call you a bronzed god, but then I felt like maybe I was going a little too hard tonight, so I decided to pull it back. Far. I decided to pull Could it. be the name of R.L. Stein. You're also less, you're also less bronze right now, a little more ruddy, so I'm not sure that it really tracks. I, gotta, I, gotta I don't know, John. I think with that hair, you got to be in a Christopher Pike book. <laughs> right. Fair. Fair. The mysterious lifeguard. That's what it's called. Too many feelings. Um, today's word, courtesy, courtesy of Elizabeth, actually. Uh, comes to us from Fear Street 1666. The word is anathema. You know, John, you, I think I you can buy home anathemas now. Do it yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's A-N-A-T-H-E-M-A. <clears throat> anathema, three definitions here. Something or someone that one vehemently, vehemently dislikes. Um then this one, this is a more specific, but maybe actually the one they were using in the film, a formal curse by a Pope or a council of the church excommunicating a person or denouncing a doctrine. Mm. Mm. Uh-huh. And then a the last cur- one, specifically a curse. Well, so the last one is a, it's the, and they, they designate this as a sort of literary use. It just means a strong curse. Mm. Okay. I, yes, that's, that's someone I know. Um, the third, anyway, yes, I remember from classes having that in my like word bank. They say it in 1666, pretty much off the bat when right when she's like yeah, walking through the thoroughfare, and he's he's like giving a I sermon, think it's the preacher, right? Or, is kind of yeah. yeah, he's he's sermon. It's before he's crow-eyed and like yeah. evil, Cry. the Cyrus guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so it comes to us from the ecclesiastical Latin. Ooh. The word, mm-hmm. uh, the word anathema meant excommunicated person. Ecclesiastical. Yeah. I, I know, know one of those. John, I want, yeah. you, I want you to know, John, that I thought of that enema joke as soon as that text came through earlier and I've been holding on to it. <laughs> you played it off really naturally like it was Thank like you. organically yeah. in the moment. Super wasn't. <laughs> I knew. That was workshop. Long enough. <laughs> uh, when it's love, you just know. That's right. You know each other. <laughs> All right, John. Tell me about uh, Fear Street. Yeah, I mean, Eric, I think this is the first time since maybe like episode 40, like going, we had to go way, way back to a point where we were covering more than one movie. Yeah, we did a, a show yeah. where we did a couple of Polanski movies. We did the, oh, I love that episode. We did The Burning and Just Before Dawn. Those were like some of the last, that Repulsion one, I think that was probably the last time we did it. Yeah, might have been. Yeah. Um, 
But we're gonna try to get through three movies here. The good news is this is like a true trilogy. It's like a six hour. That, it's a one six hour movie, basically. Yeah, I, I was trying to. We were talking about it a little bit over email, and like, I was thinking like, would you, could you even tell someone, you know what, just watch the middle one. Like you, <laughs> you could. Like right. okay, no here's way. the thing. So that I discovered today. So while we were watching this, Elizabeth was saying, um, this feels like a TV show. Like you have like a mini series. Yeah. So I read an interview with the director where she was basically like, once Netflix took it over, she started looking at it as if it was some kind of weird new amalgam between movie and TV. Like, I think they just threw all the rules of, um, like, structure out the window, which I kind of wish I had known beforehand because it's it's the source of, a lot of my few complaints about it. But so, Oh, listen, when I saw 1994 Part 2, I was like, Eric's just going to shit himself. <laughs> like, he literally is just going to be like, I can't, and, like, turn it off and walk away. Yeah, I think I, it helped me to have you Sherpa me through that. Yeah. It is like a classic trilogy, though. And I mean, we are going to get to like what actually happens in the movie, but it's like Star Wars, right? Like you couldn't tell someone just watch Empire Strikes Back. Like what? Yeah, it's like, very much just it's very much a nonsense. chapter in a book or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I don't know, at first I resisted it. I was like, ah, I don't know, trilogy, like blah, blah. But in any event, so the the plot here and like so they do work backwards. I'm going to try to do this quickly, but God knows. Ninety uh, four. Wait, we should. Spoiler. Like we well, need to, yeah. I'm making, we should go yeah, down a general a really spoiler. Spoiler, but like, all right. There, I don't think we're going to give away anything. Well, I've seen all three movies, John. And I understand about thirty-five percent of it, so I think it's okay. <laughs> Stop. It's not whatever. I don't think it's that complicated. But, um, I don't like if you watch the trailers to all three movies. I feel like they spoil like the yeah. shit out of these yeah. things. So, um, I don't feel that bad. But so ninety-four, seventy-eight, sixteen, sixty-six. You have this town originally called Union in 1666 that in the 1994, which is the first one because they work backwards in time, has been split into Sunnyvale and Shadyside. Right. Think Parks and Rec. Shadyside. I mean, I don't get that reference. Eagleton. Eagleton. Pawnee. But um, Sunnyvale is like the rich town. Uh, It's coded pretty heavily as like white. White. It's the white town. Wealthy. Um, and then shady side is like, it's not necessarily that it's coded non-white. It's just coded as like poor and like shady side is like gay and broke. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. It's, <laughs> well, the, it's like, definitely nice. more, it's definitely I mean, it's more like, like, like there oh, are white people, but it's definitely much more diverse. It's well, it's, it's the wrong side of the tracks, right? It's like where everyone who like can't fit in quote unquote in Sunnyvale, like yeah. kind of lives in any event. So, uh, you have Sunnyvale is like thri- this thriving community and shady side is just like everybody, like bad shit's happening all the time. People are like, drinking too much i mean drugs maybe i don't know they don't really reference drugs but um the movie opens at the shady side mall there is a killer who murders a bunch of people um and i'm trying to think how they bring it then we, then we meet the main character her name and oh god i'm gonna forget dina. dina yeah we were just talking about dina john i think you're gonna need to go a little broader view of this my friend then well, so the movie opens <laughs> But basically, like that, then now you transition to Dina. Dina becomes effectively the main character for for all three of them. Like she is the sort of hero whose arc we're following through the trilogy. She has a girlfriend named Sam who has left Shadyside with her mom during a divorce. Yeah, she's an ex at the point we picked the movie up. Yeah. And you've got Dina's brother, Josh. Uh, Those are kind of like the main three characters. Um the first film really follows them trying to unwind 
what the hell's going on with this murder at the mall. Because uh, there's also been a history of like really yeah. insane slasher style and supernatural like murderings in this. So town. I think Dairy Indiana and like the kid that's like super obsessed with like what happened. Or like Derry, that's the Josh kid here. Maine, I think it's Maine, right? Dairy Maine. Or Maine, yeah. Dairy Indiana. You think Gary Just putting Indiana? it over near you guys. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, and so he's trying to he he's like online doing like quote unquote nerd things communicating, you know, uh, via text chat in 1994. Um, but yeah, they're trying to, they're trying to connect that murder, which they feel like there's something weird going on to all this other shit that's happened throughout the history of, of shady side. Right. That leads uh, all the, the way back to a witch who was like murdered back in the olden times. Yeah. Well, and the Ohio. slasher, the, the murderer, like the guy in the skull mask who killed the people in the mall, he's like showing up still around mm. town. I should, so, it needs to be pointed out, John, Colonial Ohio. Mm-hmm. Col- Are they in, no, they're, it's, they're in Ohio? it's set in Ohio. That was the thing, John. right? <laughs> in any, no, there was a lot made of that on the internet. The yes, that's why Ohio I'm saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's like the setup for the first film. They, what that eventually it leads them, what they they come to interact with like this overall history, which tees up the second film. The second film all takes place right. at Camp Nightwing, they, where one of the other main characters that you meet at the end of the first film, it actually like follows her through her story and interaction with that past. And then the final film is sort of Dina learning the truth of Union and the two the towns that have right. become what starts out as like just a murder leads this group of friends to go down the rabbit hole of trying to figure out the origin of the curse that's like curse shade like discovering there is a curse yeah. they well, decide called, there's a like, curse then they're like okay then they're just inv- they're Scooby doing trying to figure it out and that leads us back through the timeline and then as we see each movie things happen in each film going back they recontextualize things we've already seen so like and, that's really why they're so tied together they know, like in it's it's teed up very heavily. Like they know this story of Sarah Fear. There's like a rhyme. There's like it's uh, it's like long. It has like a lot of different stanzas to it. Um, and you know, so there's like all these like parts to like who Sarah Fear is and like why what she's gonna do to you and things. And so you see some of that stuff unfold at least in the first film. But yeah, that's what ultimately like becomes the through line for the entire trilogy. Love it. I could have done that quicker, but I appreciate the effort, John. You know, don't you know the girl that got cast as Sarah Fear was like, yes, and then like got the script and was like, what, motherfucker? Like, she's in it for like 30 Right. She's in, yeah. Like you're, then you turn into this other actress who's going to make a lot more money than you. And you go yeah. away. Like, right. we don't see you in reflections or anything. No, you, then, no, you, don't, yeah, you don't have to come to set. It's fine. We're all, we're wrapped. We're good. <laughs> Your hand is a key part of this whole oh. thing. All right. <laughs> all right. We got to move along here. Casey, what do you think? Uh, I enjoyed this quite a bit at the, and I think it's a discussion we have to have as far as top 10 goes. If we're going to vote for these separately or as a trilogy and whatnot, because as a trilogy, the movies are okay. I appreciate that they, they got a R rating and they stuck to it and they went for it. There's some nice gore and stuff in here. And there's a lot of elements of these different movies that I really like. However, I think it as a whole, the way this came out is kind of a special event. The way they shot these back to back, released them all at once as an event. I think it was pretty awesome. And I thought it was really great. And I think the whole package came together really well too. And I think the whole package really outweighs the individual flicks. 
Because like you were saying before, you can't just tell somebody, go just watch the second movie or whatever. Just watch 1978. You don't need all of them. You need all of them for the whole experience. <laughs> and you I imagine, thought that was really cool. Like, can you imagine just watching the third one? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Well, the like, first, what the like, the first, like, 50 minutes of the third, like, we should talk. Because structurally, they are, like, they have their own setting. They have I mean, their own, like, story. It really but, feels like six episodes of a series. That's what it feels like. Six hour, yeah. almost perfectly hour, 50 minutes, hour long episodes. Yeah. Like, especially yeah, that last one. It definitely one. could have been an HBO series or something it's, or another uh, Netflix yeah. TV series. Easy. Um, Elizabeth, what do you think? Um, oh, I'm obsessed. I love it so much. I've watched it all the way through. I'm not even going to tell That makes me sound very sad because like, it's like six hours, the whole thing. Um, it's a lot. It's my new like Ken Burns Civil War. I'm going to put it on <laughs> in the background all the time. Like I just love it. I, I was in Civil War like 20 hours long. Right? <laughs> I, I would take more. I love that analogy. I, I just love the like monster collective kind of motif, the, the way they structure yeah. it. Um, you know, obviously, like Monster Squad comes to mind pretty mm. heavily with it. Um, but I mean, they cover ev- like if you've seen more than five horror movies, you feel like so meta watching this because like mm-hmm. it's just like reference on top of reference. And I mean, my favorite probably being the the first kill that's very much an homage to Scream. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, there's so much to get into. I like my thoughts just like scatter. It was amazing. I love the, I was a huge fan. I think we've established of the Fear Street series. Um, Obviously, I mean, I I think I speak for a large portion of the audience today and saying that queer representation in this has been just awesome to see because you never, in a million years, we're going to get that even in a Christopher Pike book. Like he, they were doing coke. There were no lesbians. It wasn't like these two same sex people. (laughs) They were alien ferrets at the end, but nobody was homosexual. Well, I think um, it also does justice to the fact that like in the nineties, like it would have caused also some trouble for them. And it does like with the, you know, with some of these other characters. I appreciate the way it was handled all the way around. And I like that. um, They really made me come around on, Blonde girl. I keep wanting to. Hannah's the last movie. Sam. What her name is? Yeah. Yeah. Sam. Yeah, because in the first movie, uh, her acting is not good. It's not. No, good. I don't know that her acting's good at all. But I was in love yeah. with her by the end of it. <laughs> I was like, ugh, like this girl. And like, I love Dina. She's so good and yeah. so committed to like every line. I love her delivery. But then by the end of it, I mean, I already love Dina. I was like so into Sam. By the time she was <laughs> dancing around the campfire and the witchy one, mm-hmm, I was into it. That was good. Drawing her name uh, in your notebook. They should have just found another 29-year-old to play Sam. <laughs> <laughs> well, you feel the age difference for sure. Like, yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious how old that, the one you're talking about, Elizabeth. I want to look it up. I'm going yeah, to guess all, like 19. It all landed with me. I loved it so much. Yeah. And I, I do want to say like, overall, seeing any project that is representing the the points of view and the diversity that this film kind of has um and is giving us that ends with i mean spoiler alert uh the character literally shielding themselves can i say this yet oh at the very very 100 sure oh oh yeah yeah that's that's like a minor spoiler okay okay cool then i'm gonna talk about it for a second (laughs) because we literally get to see a queer character with a her armor is young adult pulp fiction like the actual books with the real covers and the enemy is the patriarchy and (laughs) good is evil like it's very heavy-handed and i'm fine with it and like she wins because she like it was a nice it was a nice her what's that 
It was a nice touch for sure. It was good. It yeah. was good. Well, I can it was go a on. Callback to the very first it scene sure in the movie. Was. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It also, John, was um, it, the books that they used for that shield. I paused and looked like three times. Are the books that the characters' names are taken from, and that the references that we get from the books that are used in the movie. Yes, oh, it's like That's it's cool. like wrong number and like yeah i mean oh. right out of the gate in the first movie you you see that store with all the covers and it's yeah. just like all right this is what we're doing i got it it helps orient I you think to what it was like here. i get sports right. when i saw that i was like <laughs> fuck yeah like, yes, i am in i am in for this and like i love that i love that uh john what'd you think yeah i ultimately ended up really enjoying this as well i don't know that it's great you know uh it's not like classic cinema or anything but mm. i i was thinking i've been thinking about this a bunch i like it probably the same way i i like or even love stranger things which is to say like i'm not expecting sort of like high art and it's it's not that and it and it like never was trying to be that and it kind of like telegraphs that from the outset um i i think we we should have a conversation about whether or not this is starter horror i actually think it's like too aggressive to be starter horror actually um i think kids might here's my counterpoint to that though john don't you think in some way kids are exposed to so much more now so much quicker that maybe this would be starter horror like the some of the kill sequences in this are actually like just well but when you say starter horror like i started watching horror 10 years old and watched halloween 2 and like it jacked me up exactly no but we were watching like like think of those movies now, like arachnophobia. Yeah. And sh- well, that's like <laughs> too, but. So, I don't know that the bread slicer scene exactly. Could well, count listen, as- but here, but here's my point: is I think sensibilities may have changed, and we wouldn't Maybe. necessarily know that. I don't know. I just like I always like my, my wife is like not a good benchmark, but like if there's like a very good movie that's like a little scary, I can like get her to watch it, and she will appreciate it. If there's a movie like this where it's like you know Super fun, yeah. like a romp. And then has like some really gruesome kill scenes. It's, it is. There's yeah. no fucking way. She'll be like, <laughs> she, she won't be able to sleep for like a week. What's interesting so. is like my dad's fine with it as long as it's mobsters. It cannot be like Scary. slashers, yeah. serial killer type thing. I mean, so it, the, the net net for me is like, it's, it's really well done. I think I probably appreciated it more because of like the feat that they accomplished, which is, creating and releasing this trilogy over three weeks is you know it's just a really really smart idea like i'm I'm actually like surprised netflix hasn't done something like this before i do think it requires like the exact right material to like be able to to get this right i didn't know much about fear street elizabeth sent a very helpful article that kind of explained some of the references here because it's not yeah. it's not even like they took one book and turned it into these movies. It's a true like mishmash of the whole mythos basically. Well, yeah. But it's also like a smudgy memory. It's so smart how they did it because they well, picked out specifics but no plot points and no I feel like and that's sort of where I was going is like I feel like I like understand what Fear Street is mm. even if I don't know what any of the narratives are because like mm-hmm. I saw this movie and this movie just like felt like it had a true feeling. It had a it just like had a, an emotional impact to it. I don't know. Yeah, so it does. I had a really fun time with it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I definitely would credit Elizabeth with softening my take on the pacing of this thing a little bit. Cause like by the time I'm in the, 
in particular started bugging me about 45 to 50 minutes into the second movie when I'm like, I want to see people murdered at this camp. Why is nobody being murdered? Like that one's a little backloaded with the action. And there's just so much stuff in there that I didn't necessarily care about, but to, I, yeah, there's a, there's so much fucking plot in these movies. There is. This is so like, I didn't even, this is what I will say. There's a lot. I'm pretty much on board with everybody here. Like I, having not had the nostalgia and just kind of coming into it, um, just really kind of fresh. It is very cool. The event nature of it, the three movies over three weeks, that part of it's really cool. Everything to do with like the packaging. I love the posters, the, um, they're, they're doing this really cool vinyl release. They, they, she got the guy, she hired the guy, Marco Beltrami, who did the scream soundtrack, which is very interesting to me. Cause like, I look at '90s horror soundtracks. I'm like, that's fucking horseshit. Like that. All I think of when I think of '90s soundtracks are licensed tracks. Even as a kid, I remember being like, man, what if Scream had the soundtrack of like an '80s movie? That would be cool. But but the soundtrack here is really cool. Um, just, I love the style of all of it. It's really, and I really love the idea that we just took made almost like a Stephen King-esque universe out of all of these killers. I love the little montage they continually show of each killer in their actual time, like murdering somebody, and they keep going back to it as like a a refresher of like who all these people are. That stuff is so much fun. I will say that the plot of this movie is a little like when you're driving and you see somebody in an old-ass pickup truck and shit is piled in the back like six feet higher than it should be. And it's all being held up by some rickety um, bungee cords that look like they're going to snap at any second. Like here, spoiler alert, the truck makes it to its destination and everything is fine. But when you're in it, you're a little like, like you're a little like not, you're behind them in traffic. And you're like, just, you're just fingers crossed, man, that we get to the destination here. And I will say like, there's also so much of it, right? And I had to take it in in a way that I wouldn't, just with the way my life is, I had to watch it in kind of a stilted manner. I, I kind of broke up each movie in almost like two sections. Um, but I had a decent amount of trouble following it. Like we were just finishing up the third one today. And finally, at the point where we were getting a bunch of those info dumps at the end where they're finally connecting all the dots, I'm like, oh, okay. Like I get it. It's just a lot, but it's just I didn't fun. think it was that com- Like I didn't think it was like well, that hard to know what was going on. I told you, I told him. So when you're, think about it, if you're watching like 30 minutes over four days, I get it. I'm like, well, yeah, it was like half a week ago, dude. When he's like, wait, when did this happen? I was like, last Tuesday. Straight up, if I was not watching these with her, I would be here right now being like, I I, I feel like I don't, I can't talk about this movie There's, right now. But I, it's where they, they were able to like take some liberties because the, they came out so close together mm-hmm. by assuming that people would remember. I mean, look, like, Oh, yeah. Same with Star Wars, right? Like if you watch that first Star Wars and then yeah. you like you but do what need I, to remember shit from what the first I'll, one. What I'll say is that these movies win by from my understanding of it being like really capturing that trashy, fun, young adult thing. Like, you know, it doesn't get any better than the name's good and fear slightly spelled differently. I was busting jokes about that shit the entire time. Cause it's so funny, but I have like, to ask you though, Eric, cause you didn't have closed caption on until like kind of late in the game. Did you, did it, did it make a difference to you when you saw the spelling? Were you like, 
Well, it's academic. It now. made me like laugh more. I made me laugh more because that's pure R.L. Stein. They show it to you like with good because he's both the uh, that's good true, is, right, right. Good right. is the like family in oh, Sunnydale. Like when you read these, because when you read the books, you have I have these moments where it's like I picture R.L. Stein like kicking back in his chair, like he wrote something he's really proud of, and he just like cracks his knuckles. He's like, yeah, <laughs> that's right. And that's what I picture when I see the names Good and Fear that he just was like inspired. I love this. Got it. But no, I think like honestly, I it's just fun. And they really go for it. Like they they pick a lane and they commit to it. And that's a shitload of fun. And I think to your point, John, in the process of doing that, they also do a lot of really amazing modern feeling things with representation and emotional character arcs. And they really do hit legit emotional moments, which I think that's such a trope of screenwriting, right? Like planting those seeds and then trying to, sow them later that a lot of movies just don't hit. And so the fact that they actually do, I think is impressive. And I think is a huge, like, this is a lot, it's, it's a very ambitious project. Um, and I think like it's, it's a success. I just think like it's helpful to know what you're getting into. And that is a, these aren't, I wouldn't even call them movies. Like, honestly, I'd really think of it more like a mini series to help. Or if you're like me and you're kind of a stickler for like, I want to know what the plot structure is. You're going to be bummed out. Cause well, it doesn't, I, they, I don't know. I would disagree with that only in so far as when, I mean, I was joking or saying before, like you couldn't like recommend someone just watch the third film, but like they do. I just think they, you need to divorce yourself a little. If you're like me and you, you like a clear structure, you need to step back from it a little. But I, I mean, look again, I, I hate to, I should come up with another trilogy that I can reference other than star Wars, but it's sort of like, again, you can start with empire strikes back. It, it, I fo- think there is like, it follows rough three act structure, but like, you can watch these movies in a circle over and over. Like, it doesn't really matter, like, where you start. You just have to see them all. Yes. Well, it yeah, does matter. Good point. Yeah, I mean, but, like, my I mean, point was, yeah, like, right. they did, at least, the. I think the first and the second one hang together very, very well. The third one is the hardest because, like, it's basically the first half is the 1666 stuff, and then the yeah. whole second half well, of the film Well, the interesting is thing the, about like, that is, yeah, like, that is, to me, the most egregious structure-wise, but I think... The 1666 is my favorite part oh, of great. all of it. I think yeah. it's the it's best really, done part. But they obviously yeah. wanted to like lounge in that area and live in the world. Like there was no reason to have as much um, well, space taken up by that. Well, you also, but I'm glad needed, they did. But they also needed to. I was very curious how the hell they were going to resolve the stuff in 1994 if yeah. they were going to do a movie in 1666. But like the obvious answer is like you only do half the movie in 1666 and then you come yeah. back. I would have been fine well, though. Cause I, they were playing Oasis in 1994. I cried twice. I cried two <laughs> watchers. I hadn't heard Oasis okay. in a long time. So I almost cried. I was but, like, Oh, stop it with the girl from that TBS <laughs> show. One of the boys or whatever, the, uh, the nurse. Yes. What's her name? I can't well, she was also an Ozark. That's right. Ozark yeah, yeah. was what, well, the important thing, thing is I was watching through these movies and we watched them as they on the Fridays that they came out. We watched the 1994, 1978. I'm stoked. I'm fired up. That I'm pretty cool. We get to see a shitload of slashers. All I can think of is what the hell are they going to do with 1666 at the time before coming out? So it gave it kind of a bit of a mystery. I'd say I, when it first switched over halfway through the movie back to 94, I was probably a little taken aback. It's like, oh, that feels kind of cheap. But at the same time, like John was saying, they got to have time to resolve everything that was well, happened. So there's nothing else they could have done. I think mm-hmm. that you could have done it either way. Like, I think you could have made three self-contained movies that each one adds context to the previous but I just didn't, 
I wasn't expecting the way they did it. I think that's the but part that, you yeah. have to. That's the difference between like, because I, I, you know, I've been thinking about like uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Each of those films like starts and ends like they're uh-huh. like at least when you see yeah. the end of well, Friday the Thirteenth. Eric's wheels are just like. <laughs> no, I know, but like just give give me grant me like a little license here. <laughs> In like Friday the Thirteenth Three, at least there's like plausibly you're like ah it's over now. Yeah, there you aren't know? there like, aren't hanging threads like yeah yeah. This thing is again it's like Star Wars like it ends and like nothing has been resolved at the to- end of the yeah, first one. They've good, only teed yeah, up all of the shit point. to come yeah. in the later films. So what do you? Well, I think Casey's right because he ultimately was saying earlier like the the whole here is greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah, yeah. For sure, like. So there's well, so- like Schnarz is saying he can't think of anything. He doesn't want to. He wants to think of another trilogy, uh, trilogy other than Star Wars to refer to. But you I don't see trilogies packaged no. like this. So even no, though no. even though it's hard to discern, like, do you guys have favorite a favorite entry? Oh God, yes, but I don't even know how to explain it. Okay, I want to live in '78. Like, I love <laughs> right? the world the they built there. Yeah. Oh my God, <laughs> and the soundtrack fucks. Like, it is so good. It's just everything about it is <laughs> so good. Um. So I think tonally I like that one the most from a storytelling perspective and like actual like artistry. I think the third, the 66 is yeah, my favorite. That's pretty fair. I think but the God, fir- 94, like I, then I feel bad. Like I really feel bad for not. See, it's so, more, like, yeah. I, I think it. 94 is probably my least favorite, not in a bad way, but just if I had to rank. Them. Yeah. I, I think if I had to pick one, I would pick the middle one because it is like the cleanest yeah. movie in and of its own. And you I know, love like, that girl. That yeah. Casey, how about There's you? only like 10 minutes on each side that are not film related. Casey. Yes. Favorite. Did you say it? Yeah. No, I really, I was most impressed, I think, by 94 because Interesting. that being the kickoff to the series, it was, I just felt it was really cool. And like, that's where you see them went for, go for it. And by the time I got done with that first movie, I was excited for the rest. Okay. The other one, so, I wasn't open. quite as excited. 94, we have to talk about this specific scene in 94 where they decide quote unquote decide that what they need to do is kill their friend to break the curse or whatever. So this, these, these movies do a thing that I, okay. Like in having this conversation with Elizabeth, I realized this is a thing I've been complaining about fairly often in the last couple of years that I now never complain about it, but no, no, I, here's the thing, (laughs) but I can now identify exactly what it is. And it's a thing that you see much more in modern movies than you ever used to see. Like this is a very new thing. It is this form of screenwriting, particularly in movies that have supernatural bends where characters are able to immediately intuit very clearly defined rules about this supernatural thing with absolutely no evidence. And everyone around them immediately just goes, sign me up. Hold on. I do want to, I want to stop you because they do explain the death thing. Right. It's at least given. No, but but they explain it, but it's a, it is a character making a leap based on like tangential evidence. So to then be like, cool, I'm cool with you murdering me, high school kid. Like to just be all for it and for everybody to be like, first of all, no, she's 29 years old. What I need is a little bit of skepticism. <laughs> a grown ass woman. What I need is a little bit of skepticism so it's from C-Berman. someone ever. C- so C. Berman, they're all, they're like talking C- about how C. Berman's the only one they who's always, ever survived. They have to say C. C- Berman every time. Well, it's because, I mean, again, like this is like spoiler. Oh, we got to talk about that too, because that was not a twist because it's obvious from the moment she's on screen. It doesn't, how was that a twist? They set it up. She said, my sister was dead two weeks later. And then it shows 
the redhead. But, but they cut just, from like, a redhead a character to a redhead character, and I go, that's her. She doesn't really have red hair. Oh, yeah. I agree. I think it's at least like a plus. I wasn't a hundred percent sure until later in the movie. But I didn't even right. second I mean, guess it until obvious. Elizabeth told me. She's like, Oh, you just guessed it. I'm like, guess what? Isn't that just her? Like I didn't even I didn't pick up that I was supposed to be like second guessing. I so picked up the, that it would have been the redhead girl myself, but watching it as a whole as a family, I can tell you the family was debating it large part way yeah. through. On I, it, well, I, I didn't know it was a debate. Here's why, here's, why, here's why I know that they were trying to thread that needle. Okay, no, you're so right. You're definitely C. right. Berman is OCD. She's got her little clocks and all the like locks and shit she does, and uh, which is typical in these like, what happens after the slash occurred? Yeah, like, yeah. these little girls, how do they live? So she's doing that. And then immediately when we get the flashback and we see, I can't even remember what the girl's name is. Not C. Berman, not the redhead. There are too many characters. Weren't they both? Aren't they both C. Berman? There you go. Yes. So we see Cindy and her boyfriend cleaning the outhouse. And she's like, really cleaning and being like, Oh, the spot won't come out. Oh, it's a spot in my shirt. And like, you think, I thought she was like, Oh, is this, this is our OCD. Like, well, Bad. her name's Cindy Berman, and the other and one's named Ziggy. Yeah. So it's like, I, Eric may have been a, like, you know, just super genius. I think I'm just fun, a savant. Yeah, I'm a movie savant. John. I, I think was, you might have not been paying attention to their names. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know. I mean, okay, yeah. I guess you could put it like that. Yeah, I used. I I'll be honest. I used Eric's logic. It went from redhead to redhead, so I just kind of assumed. <laughs> but no, in any event, like Eric, you're told like this movie is full of. Things like that, though, where like these are just little screenwriting things that bother me because all it takes is you writing a little line in where a character goes, "Are you sure we should murder her?" And I'm good. I'm done. I'll tap out on this well, argument. Can I, like, look, either way, can you have the epipen next to you when you're murdering her? Yes. She had like she's like, where's the pen? Suddenly it's <laughs> three stooges. Like, where's this fucking pen? The uh, <laughs> can I give you my biggest what the fuck Please. from these movies? So there are it's 300 years. This we're in like deep spoiler territory. Uh, they've they've generationally had to give names, so like minimum we're talking like thirty. Nah, I don't know, like I guess twenty names. Like you, depending on how you want to define a generation, it's like twenty to twenty five names. There's only like five killers. So like, what happened yeah. to the rest of them? Yeah, that uh, good that, question. That's like, where we did have some too. flashes of killers they didn't go deeper on. I wanted to see the one. It's like blink if you miss. It. Like which one was it? The uh, somebody guts girls. Yeah, there was like the shame killer. Yeah. And I wanted to know more about that kid with the baseball bat. Dude, Dude. Ba- baby, Lord. <laughs> ba- baby murderer. Yeah, I want more. Yeah. I want to know more. Yeah. My ba- so I, I do have a question. Like, what was everybody's killer favorite killer? Baby man. I like yeah, the, the, was cool. I think the ghost fate, the ghost dude too. Like I just love that costume. And she she I love said it was Nightwing Killer. Nightwing yeah. Killer was pretty dope. It's great. She said too that she had the actor who played Skull Dude model his physical performance after Ghostface, like how Ghostface was clumsy and was constantly like kind of falling over and tripping yeah. and stuff. Yeah, so, I really uh, like that Nightwing killer too, and I thought it was cool as hell because we get introduced to him in that first movie. And I did he's too. Got that cool burlap sack. Here's the thing: stuff, and we get to see how he gets it. That's yeah, but awesome. here's the thing: in '78, get to that mask. This is the same thing like Friday Thirteenth Part Three. That was get totally to that a reference to Friday the Thirteenth. But I'm saying, yeah. get to the get to the mask faster. Don't make me no, wait an hour and ten minutes. I think that's like minutes. a reference to the franchise Friday the Thirteenth. Okay, that, but like, wait, well, I'm saying any, wait like, forty minutes or a half, and like it doesn't have to be over an hour until I can see. Well, like Eric, he was like still scary. 
because before he puts the mask on, he's just some wiener teenager. Like it's. But hold on, every thirty seconds, you guys didn't. He kind of looked like Robert Pattinson. I felt like I was like, God, this guy is like so. He had a weird face that changed. Looking, and then he'd like turn a certain way, and I'd be like, or he's a Robert Pattinson. I was more hung up on the fact that he needed to wash his hair. He really does. He's real crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, favorite moment of all three movies. Does anybody have an answer for that? Oh, that's a hard one to cut down. Oh, so like favorite moment I would have to base around the kills was that girl in the first movie with that bread slicer. I hadn't seen that before, yeah, and it was awesome. For me, the- my parents had a bakery and had that. Ex- it's almost <laughs> the exact same that bread slicer. You know, did you always wonder, did you always wonder what would happen, John, if you slipped? Dude, those things are deadly. <laughs> it's basically just like knives that go up and down really, really that's fast. That's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I liked uh, when they drop Moon Age Daydream in 78 when uh, Ziggy's getting all her stuff together. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was good, too. I mean, the music was like, there were times where it was a little heavy-handed, and then there were Especially times... Especially in 94. Well, the 94 was was really bad, but yeah. but then, like, Bowie came on, and I was like, this is I know. great! You guys, when was the last time you, like, fully <laughs> sat down and listened to the Sophie B. Hawkins song, Damn, I Wish I Was Your Lover? Because I did the other day, Chills. <laughs> sit down and listen to it like listen till it fades out it's like oh my god this song is like an experience like it's seriously like <laughs> i was like kind of tearing up and like for me like, the transcendent mo- moment like in the trilogy for me is in part three towards the end when they're all in the mall and we're having our final showdown and it's like you get clear like monster squad moments where they're sort of surrounded by these killers and i love the fact that like the killers are sort of out of time, out of body. They're like specters almost. I really love that aspect of it, but just a lot of the tension created around their whole plan. You got all this like neon paint everywhere. These moments in particular where they are banking on the fact that the killers are not going to smell them or whatever are really tense. I mean, they're pr- they're some yeah. of the most tense moments in the whole Well, yeah. like... <laughs> This is one of my other, like, so where are the, all the other killers? That was like my one thing. The other one is like, are we sure these killers wouldn't just have like stabbed a bunch of other people? Like they were like only going to stab her. Like I, I, that was, I that feel like was that role was developed like well, in the game. And again, well, yeah, no, but, but again, John, used as a weapon. but again, John, that is like a, this is what I'm saying. That is like a yeah. plot point. That is very important because if you're wrong, your ass is dead. That they okay, just so like in creative writing, it's called the magic button, right? And it's like, like the they role just, that you create to mean anything. They make pull anything a bunch happen. of disparate like facts together, and they just decide this is a rule. No one questions it, and then it just turns out it's true. And it's like well, okay, it does it happens at other parts in the movie, right? So if you remember in '78, again, big spoilers here, but Nick and uh, Ziggy are like in that place and the the nightwing killer comes in nightwing killer walks right by nick so oh, there is yeah. there is this element where i was like huh maybe it just doesn't kill maybe it doesn't kill the sunny sunnyvale people it only kills the shady side people and that's what i thought the curse was it was like the killers just kill shady side people but then like to get all the way to oh he's using it just to kill me specifically Ugh, i Eric, this is me agreeing with you that there was like you know, a lot John. It's a real, it's a real Zoomer thing to think the ki- the killer only cares about you. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty meta. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that was um, a comment by Lee Janiak. Lee Janiak. Yeah, Janiak. Hey, so was it because he made the deal with a big spoiler? Sorry, Nick <laughs> Young, eyebrowed Nick Solomon. Was, 
Solomon Good. You mean seventy eight yes. Nick? That's a well, completely different ethnicity from modern day Nick. Nick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, because he's the one who yeah. was like the firstborn, who was like doing all the devil. You mean like Armenian part. Nick, not American? Ziggy's Nick. Yeah. What yes, we know what you're talking about. Carry on. Yeah. Um, I'm just being a dick. I forgot what I was going to say about. Him. Oh shit! <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh no, he did he was he able to bring Ziggy back because he's like in with the devil that's or kind of what it that CPR fixes stab wounds. No, I think personally. that's I, th- I that was another yeah. one that I think he okay. was able to yeah, I think it was that was my read on it was Well, was which I was which I'm good novels. with because it it retcons how she survived that movie which makes yeah, no sense same. when you watch yeah. it. Dang. I did I really like love the finale of that movie the second one, the imagery of the girls kind of mimicking that Renaissance painting there, like with their reaching out mm. for each other. Like. Yeah, yeah. I l- really love the scene uh, when we found out that this camp just dumped their outhouses <laughs> into the cave. That blew yeah. my mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's some real 70s like action park shit, Casey. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. <laughs> yeah, I definitely felt goonies um, but it did make that scene with those girls down there trying to climb out of it and stuff and knowing what they're climbing through and everything it did add an extra touch tension yeah. to it which was nice and it, it gave it a good laugh i mean you you could it were actually like i mean we have a little time and we're kind of running a little late here but like i'm I'm actually glad Charles, i was resistant but i'm glad that you 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 won the argument of doing all three of these movies at once because i think they would have been difficult to do whole shows on one of i don't time. think you could talk about yeah. Much with yeah. One at a time. Yeah. The um last last plot point question. Could that tree have lived in the mall? <laughs> right. That bugged yeah. the shit out of me. That okay. was hated. That like, was also three hundred years old. That like so uh, the only other instance of this I've ever seen was like in Frank Lloyd Wright's like I mean, major pieces of architecture. Was the Shady Side Mall really that like We've got to preserve. We're going to do it. <laughs> right. We're going to build our whole structure around this tree. John, you mean that uh, Game of Thrones Pangea ass tree that's uh-huh. grown in the middle of that mall? <laughs> the yeah. the weirwood. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a great good question, one. John. That's a good question. I was very confused by the town map and like where all this shit was. Like, I'm not even going to get into it. I'm not. I have a fan made shady side map. I'll, I'll lend you. Please. That I think it's more accurate. Please, yeah. <laughs> Um, were you I saying that some of the books had maps? No, none of the books did. Fun fact, though. Um, or there was a poster or something that you could get that was. You're a map. talking about that thing that I'm talking about. Yeah, it's on Etsy. It's like a. Oh, okay. It's, like it's not. It. It's, it's not. not official. I mean, it's it's, not, it's constructed yeah. from. I wish I had who to credit. It's awesome, but it's built from like the actual like way they talk about the town. But no, it's not. Because if they I was into, because if I was into something like that as a kid. And then could get that map. It would be my favorite thing. I would. It would be my prized possession. You're talking like I can draw a game of a pretty detailed Game of Thrones map right now. I'm such a sucker for like um, gimmicks and like novelty things. Like so, they every once in a while would put these books out. They would either do like a double issue where it was like super chiller because it's like October or something, and I'd be like, yeah, because it's like (laughs) a hundred extra pages. Or like once a year, they would do like. Um, the best friend was one where the girl, the thing about her was like, her name was like Jenny and she had a purple butterfly tattoo on her <laughs> shoulder or something. And they would give you the rub on tattoo oh, like in the nice. book or the betrayal where there was like a locket was at the center of the story. <laughs> they freaking, it was like the puffy case, like uh VHS that would have like a weird trinket in it. Like yeah, they gave yeah, you yeah. the necklace. I, I love that. Dude, where's that shit now? 
These were girl books. Like it was not. Yeah, no, when you say that. We answered the the question. (laughs) Yes, girl books. Got it. (laughs) All right, I love it. Um, Would you recommend the Fear Street trilogy? I'm going to need my top 10 list for sure. John, what do you think? I'm going to say yes. Elizabeth. Hell yes. Casey. Yes. Yes, especially I'm, the whole trilogy. I'm definitely going to say yes. You, you got to watch it. It's a whole thing. For sure. Only the second one. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just watch the third one and then you tell me what you think it's about. That's what I want to know. <laughs> All right, guys. That's going to do it for the Fear Street trilogy. Let's take a quick break and do some fan mail. End of summer blues got you down. Well, you're in luck because here comes the Chuck. Chucky's back. I'm new and improved. No, you're dead. We killed you. Wrong again, whip. A haircut ain't regulation, soldier. Regulate this. <laughs> Child's Play 3, rated R. Starts Friday, August 30th at theaters everywhere. I'm Ray Wise from Twin Peaks, and you are listening to Bloody Good Horror. Send feedback to info at bloodygoodhorror.com or on Twitter using hashtag AskPGH. Join Patreon to get back episodes and much more. Patreon.com slash bloody good horror. And we're back. Um, it doesn't look like Joe did question Tuesday on Instagram, so I guess we have no questions this week. Um, weird. Feels weird. All right, John. I looked at my top ten. Breaking news. Um, I'm bumping everything from two down. So I did have Werewolves Within at two, Saint Maud at three, The Stylist at four. I'm bumping that. So Fear Street is going to be number two so far. The trilogy. The trilogy goes. Tr- in, well, dude, I'm saying. down with trilogy. Yeah, and then we'll. And okay. then I still have Promising Young Woman as my number one. It's definitely like we're stretching the rules on the top ten here. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Like you're the one who brought but, it up, bro. You were the one who was like fighting for it on the test. Uh, and I, you know what? I'm just saying, I'm putting it out there. I'm uncomfortable, but that is what we're gonna do. Because if you make me do any individual movie, I don't know that I would put them on the list, John. No, totally agree. <laughs> like hey, after we're, the last we're two years, after the last two years, we're in unprecedented times. So and unprecedented you know what, Casey, things happen. I like that. That's very true. Um, okay couple things um elizabeth <laughs> you are on the plug it up podcast with caitlin from time to time i am yes. yes would you like to tell people about what's going on over there right now yeah yeah everyone should uh check it out it is the plug it up podcast hosted by our fabulous friend caitlin grant happy birthday today it's yeah. your birthday Ooh. um but it is, it's a feminist podcast about the monstrous menstruation trope and horror, um, and really has expanded in a cool way to include like most gender related topics um, in horror movies from every decade. It's been so much fun. We have really gotten just amazing reception and our fans are the best and 
everyone needs to go check it out on uh well wherever you get your podcast you should be able to find it but also leave us a review on itunes yes plug it up the first bgh presents podcast you guys just it's posted plug it, it up pod. You guys, socials. yes, plug it up pod. You guys just posted an interview or you're, what, by the time people hear this, there will be, be out when, yeah, when they, yeah. yeah, it'll be out tomorrow. Um, yes, we, I, I did, well, Caitlin and I did, uh, sit down with Jonathan Barkhan, who is the creator and director of the upcoming mental health and horror documentary and, uh, got in cool. about, it was almost 90 minutes. It was it was awesome. He's a blast. He's yeah. And they're better. running like a Kickstarter for this documentary. That's like exploring the link between people who have, who suffer or like live with mental health issues and like ways that they have used horror as like coping mechanisms. Like what the connection is there. Well, it's cool because they're talking to um, physicians as well and practitioners, not just fans mm-hmm. and genre players. So I think it is hoping to make an impact in actual like mental health spaces as far as, um, just illuminating and bringing awareness to the fact that it is a coping mechanism and not something to to be uh, wary of or stifle in, right. in younger audiences, perhaps. So I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Check it out. I just wanted to throw out there while we're talking about Plug It Up Pod, I've been really impressed that Caitlin is drawing in uh, guests outside the BGH family that you've probably not heard on any of our shows before, but they're pretty prominent in that horror world. So she's doing a really good job of exposing other people in that horror fandom out there to you guys. I'll tell you what my favorite, what my favorite part is, is every episode they do period facts. I am learning so much. (laughs) They're awesome. The zombie I do, girls. I do have two daughters. So it's like, I feel like I probably should know some of these things and a wife. I don't know. Someday I'll go on and talk about um, how old I was when I finally figured all that stuff out. Um, very candid. It's very um, yes. It's real talk. Yeah, from sure. real gals so and that's guys. Pl- and plug anybody it, wants to come, plug it up on iTunes, Spotify, plug it up pod on socials, and then Elizabeth, if people want to find you on social media, what are what's what are you on like Twitter and Instagram? Um, so on all socials, I am Final Girl Scout, and uh, you know have some stuff. Perhaps coming out in the works soon-ish. We'll oh, see. And for now, they can just. Check and for out now, you can just enjoy me on socials. That's right. Um, okay, info at bloodygoodhorror.com is the email address. We should mention before we do tweet with BGH that our our hashtag. I don't know if it's still happening, Casey, but our hashtag was taken over by yes. pe- people speaking <laughs> a language I did not understand. And, um, I thought it was Spanish. It was a couple of BGH listeners and Caitlin pointed out that it looked like Portuguese. Then Robale, who apparently speaks Portuguese informed me, unless he's lying to me, but he seemed really convinced that these are people like in publicly role-playing Grey's Anatomy fan fiction. And then I'm if, sorry, what? And then if you look, <laughs> and then if you look at their tweets, they are interacting with accounts that are all like fake characters from the show. Yeah. Okay. So when I went to look at SBGH earlier in the week, I was like, I can't even. lying to you about that? That would be fucking amazing. It would be. he's my favorite person. It would be, and I kind of don't care. That's my story. But because when I went to look at the hashtag early in the week, I was like, I can't find any of our tweets. Like, all I see is this shit. So Casey, you're going to have to look to see. Wait, wait, wait. So these people are like, Bat's Eyes by Water Cooler. McDreamy. Or that's not a character. Gray. Uh, Meredith Gray. Meredith Gray is a character. Yeah. That's right. I did know what I was talking about. 
Dr. Leon says, Se voce estudaste al invés de estar falando. Casey, the important thing is, can, the important thing is, Casey, can you find our actual BGH tweets on there before we Yeah, toss? we only have three actual tweets. That's fine. Week. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So, um, info at bloodygoodhorror.com. We get a note from Adam. John, Adam wrote, has written a new in extremist all about the purge world. Ooh, um, nice. It's very long and thorough, as you might imagine from Adam. Um, he messaged me today, Eric, I'm excited for my next in extremist. I've written a constitutional analysis of the purge. But the Ooh. best part is in the footnotes. Yes, these articles come with footnotes. U.S. Constitution, I'm assuming? Yes. The purge NFFA website, um, which they update with almost every film, gets the following wrong. One, the actual date of the purge. Two, the ranking of which government officials are immune. Three, it also includes a list of suggested weapons in a constitutional amendment, question mark. Recommended <laughs> weapons, AR rifles and handguns of caliber 6.2, as well as all bladed weaponry is recommended by the purge if, constitutional amendment. If the purge needs someone to handle their socials or press or web presence, I'm looking for work so they can there you go. just send me an email. So check that out, bloodygoodhorror.com. Adam never disappoints. Um, next up, okay. John, did you know that this weekend was Joe Bob's Jamboree in at the Mahoning, I think it's called, drive-thru in Pennsylvania? Uh, I would have said Mahoning. Mahoning? Mahoning? Yeah, sure. Mahoning doesn't sound right, but I, I'd have to look at it to figure out how okay, it's Okay, so... I, this was an event. It was, it was announced last year. And I, I remember being like, Oh, that could be really cool. I then started seeing pictures on social media of what basically looked like Woodstock after it rained. Like this is the thing about drive-thrus. They're basically dirt. And then it rained a bunch. And so like, apparently it just looked crazy to me. Like I'm, I'm sure people had a good time. Some of the merch looked cool, but it looked really wild. And Robale wrote in a pretty extensive, um, set report, I'm going to read it because it's pretty interesting, I think. <laughs> and I really want you, John, in particular, to just. So I'm from Pennsylvania. Guy. It's like, you know. Oh, you are? I didn't, I didn't yeah, know yeah. That's, you know, this is not so far. It was, I actually looked, I think it was only like two hours or it was less than two hours from where I'm currently seated. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, see, like if it was two hours, I totally would have made a day trip. But like Pennsylvania yeah. from where I am is a day drive yeah, almost. Yeah. yeah. Um. So let's see. Uh, Robale says, I attended the Joe Bob Jamboree Thursday and Friday. I didn't attend Saturday and Sunday, but met some folks who gave some updates. Here's a quick rundown. Thursday was Joe Bob doing his How Redneck Saved Hollywood show that he's been doing for a while. Um, we had VIP tickets both days. What this meant is that we could set up chairs at the front of the stage. Uh, there were a handful of vendors. Um, basically, there were some people selling vinyl, some like uh, some basic convention stuff but it was pretty sparse i guess mm. and then also it rained on saturday it rained like crazy and apparently just trashed a bunch of booths and a bunch of people ended up just kind of packing up and i was gonna say if you're outdoors trying to set up some of those booths like those guys have extensive well, setups. and this is a thing too that i've seen like some interim conventions that were set up kind of in this in-between covid time where people when they were planning didn't know if they could be indoors that's a like this drive-in convention thing is a thing i've seen a couple times which is interesting yeah so, um, let's see, um, Thursday after a show, they showed Smokey and the Bandit. Not my thing, but okay. Um, for, 
the train's coming through, John. Friday was the Mutant Film Festival. They showed Tennessee Gothic and Lost Prevention. Um, I have not heard of either of these movies. They showed short... Oh, he mentioned that they showed they were showing short films in a circus tent all weekend. Um, that was 120 degrees. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> he says that in his email. Circus tent in July is... It's a tough look. Right. Elizabeth's computer died. I'm just texting her now. Um, let's see. Friday was a crazy weather day. It was in the 90s, and then it rained. Um, he what, So his other large point he makes is that they, they definitely sold too many tickets, according to him, and that at some point on Friday and Saturday, there were so many people that it was like, there were people who had to leave because it was too much. Like, it was alarming, I guess, how many people were there crammed in and not like really. from a COVID standpoint or just in general. It sounded like a general anxiety kind of standpoint. If you're like I me, mean, John, not really loving crowds, like especially if you feel like you're kind of penned in a little bit, yeah, uh, yeah. that that can yeah. be not great. I know Casey oh, tells me on that. I mean, like the flip side is like good on them if it was like that big a success. Like you, you got to figure that out. Like do more events, do do them more frequently. There's cl- there's totally. clearly demand for the Joe Bob live experience. I don't know why the hell he doesn't do more. Maybe because he's old. I don't know. You tell me. Um, Well, so he says too, like every night that they were there, they signed stuff from the early afternoon until like two or three in the morning. Oh, wow. So that's pretty hardcore. That's what I'm saying. Does Joe Bob, I mean, maybe he needs the money that bad. That's a fuck. That's a lot. Honestly, dude. can I be Here's real with you? Thing. What the vibe I get from him? He just fucking loves it. Like he loves yeah. having this rena- having had this renaissance and really being able to connect with people. You, That's what you he both, does. You both are going to tell me I'm an asshole, but as a business person, <clears throat> here's another suggestion I would make to the Joe Bob community or, or the people running this thing. Just raise the price of tickets. Like just charge Dude, more for them. He's such a capitalist. Well, you got to figure there's, Especially coming out of COVID and stuff like that, <laughs> coming out of 2020, they probably don't really know. Didn't I would be willing to guess that they didn't have a good feel of how, what no, kind of turnout. Totally true, but it's like, all right, now you know there's like shitloads of demand. Like, you, yeah, you, you almost have to raise the price of tickets so that you like only get the people who like really, really want to well, be so the there other interesting and they get thing, a good experience. Casey, maybe you saw this too. I swear I read that they're actually the piece of land they're on is being bought like they're in danger of shutting down or something because it well i think that was part of this thing from my understanding was they were raising funds to save this drive-in and i think they were successful from what i saw this weekend sounds like it's like how are they not successful but i don't know well good on robo yeah it sounds the whole thing i think the whole idea that joe bob marathon was cool doing it at this drive-in but like a week long thing it sounds a little too much like a gathering of the juggalos to me a little too close then the um i mean that like you know i don't i need some creature comforts like some people stayed there intense in the muddy i, I yeah maybe when i was like 20 not the age that i am now like you again, which again, to John's point, happening in the mud by the sh- end of this weekend. <laughs> well, oh yeah, but to Schnorr's point, if I was two hours away, yeah, I'd do a day trip and check it out. Like, sure. Oh yeah. Um. Okay. Um, okay. Thank you to Robale for um, Elizabeth is back. Can we hear you? I hear you. Yeah, you're here. Awesome. Um.
I got, I'm back. Can you guys hear me? Eric. Yeah. yeah. Skype kicked me out of the call, but I'm here. We're good. Um, so yeah, thanks to um, Robale for sending that in. I'd said I was going to read all of it, but I didn't. But he wanted to just give shout out to Joe Bob for signing so much. It was really amazing. Um, in the end, it was fun. The fans I met were super cool. I personally met people from Florida, Texas, and Vermont. There were people from everywhere. The weather sucked, and they probably should have sold less tickets to see what they could handle. But everything points to this being a returning event. Um, so yeah, there's a Robale's, uh, report there. So that's cool. <laughs> I love Take it. it. Um, info at bloodygoodhorror.com. Casey, um, what is on Twitter? On Twitter's use the ass, the uh, hashtag, not the ass tag, SBGH. Get your questions in there. Uh, first one he does, uh, comes from at lovely dead Adam. And he does point out, this isn't a question, but it was a story he wanted to share. Uh, Caitlin's purge. BJ story reminded me of seeing a guy walk into under the skin right when the nude scene started, sat up front, and a few minutes later walked out of the theater pulling up his pants and zipping up. Wow. He, he must have checked the Mr. Skin time codes. I mean, you know, I'm thinking about that movie. That movie's real weird. Like, I don't know if I could get there. Yeah. It's a little well, if you only walked in for the nude scenes, I guess. Like, right. Yeah, yeah that would make it easier. Yeah. I also like... I enjoy the Mr. Skin reference. Yeah. That's a good, yeah, that's a good. I, that happened to me one time. Me and a bunch of my friends actually were at um, this dirty little indie theater seeing uh, the slums of Beverly Hills. And it was the part where uh, Natasha Leone is using her mom's vibrator. She finds a vibrator at some point in the movie. And this dude who was like 175 years old was sitting <laughs> five feet away from us. And the unmistakable sound of a man jerking off was just like, Oh God. In the air. Like for real, we were all we're like, what? what is that? At 107. Like, good for him. Chicken or like, what yeah. is this noise? Like, good oh for my God. God. We were the only people in there. Actually besides him. 107. Really that's wild. Shana Snars, we should all be so lucky to even be able to do that at 107. Keep it at home. We weren't even, we weren't even like on our guards to be like, he might be a predator. We were like, he's a cute grandpa. Why is he at this movie? And then we were like, what the fuck, dude? Like, no thanks. Um, All right. right. Yeah, that story was fucking Kate, Kate, Caitlin's story. I've never heard anything like that before. That's completely insane. That was amazing. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Next up, we have our good buddy, Skizbot. Goes a little political here. Would you rather be forced to have a conversation with Tucker Carlson or Ben Shapiro? Oh, I hate this question. I Next. don't know enough about, I mean, I don't know. I would rather put them, a really. bullet in my brain. I know enough talk. about you, John. The answer is neither. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't think that was a <laughs> Yeah, I guess, uh, no, I don't have an answer. I refuse to answer this. That's my answer. <laughs> I assume Ben Shapiro only because I've never, I don't think I would, I don't think I've ever heard him speak versus like Tucker Carlson. I've at least like heard sound bites. Ben Shapiro is a child. Ben Shapiro is a child who thinks he's an adult. That's kind of all you need to know about it. That's fine. I have three children that think they're adults a lot of the time. So we know how to deal with them. You just ignore it and you move on. (laughs) All right. Last up, we have what's becoming a new uh, regular SBGH from our friends at the Crypt Dads. At Crypt Dads, that's dads from the Crypt. FMK. Chris Maloney, Chris Noth, which I'm assuming is a Mary Chris Maloney. Sex, I don't even need to hear sex the rest in of the yeah. city and Chris Elliott and Chris Elliott. Okay. So wait, hold on. So stand by. It is, this is 
is the easiest it is, wait, wait, one of all so time. It is pretty easy. So it's it, so just for the audience sake, it's Chris Maloney of Law and Order SVU fame, Chris Noth of Sex and the City, and Chris Elliott of Cabin Scream Boy. Two oh. slash Let's Say Shit's Creek. Right? Okay. Yeah. This is the easiest thing in the world. You kill Chris Elliott. Yeah. yeah. Um, you bang Chris Noth because he seems like he's way too into himself for any kind of long-term relationship. And Chris Maloney's yeah. like the coolest dude. That, like, yeah. marry him. Like, it's easy. Yeah. I don't know who Chris right. Noth is, so that's the first I've heard of his name. But I'm with John. I married Chris Maloney. That dude is funny. Elizabeth, he's what do you say? He's the best. Uh, I agree with your answer, Eric. Also, I think something interesting about this game that people don't always consider and is a good thing to remember when you're playing, guys. Whoever you marry, you're probably fucking. So it's not like you don't get to right. fuck the other people. Well, like, it's, right. Who knows? Maybe you're a straight sociopath and you fuck the one you kill. Like, it's not like you. <laughs> so, like. Wow. You took it to a darker place than I thought you were going to go, but that's. It's my job. The funny thing about the funny thing about this question that this person couldn't know is that like Elizabeth and I've been watching um, Shit's Creek for a while. I'd never seen it before. And spent an inordinate amount of time talking about how how badly Chris Elliott makes us really uncomfortable, like just looking at him. But that's why he's funny. Like he's. I know. I mean, it's works. his thing. It's, it's his shtick. Yeah. I've I've loved Chris Elliott since he was making people uncomfortable on Letterman back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Might take my strong hand. That's pretty much all I know him from. Just scream too. <laughs> all right, Casey. What do you say? Is that it? That is it for tweets. Love it. Look at that, John. It's nine thirty. Amazing. You can go do whatever it is I you do. Eat yeah. All right, guys. Um, Elizabeth, thank you for joining us this evening. Um, guys, everybody, for ma- real, thanks for having me. This has uh, been an absolute honor and pleasure. And uh, y'all rock. Of course, if people want to check out more of what Elizabeth's working on, they can check her out at Final Girl Scout on Twitter and Instagram. Um, John, we got to talk about the schedule. So I'm not prepared to Uh-oh. do that at this moment. Not, I'm not quite prepared. No, no, no. Maybe what I'm telling you is we have to talk about it, not on the show. Oh, good. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Um, so, yeah. Hello, talk. Yeah. For later. That's going to do go. it for this episode of Bloody Good Horror. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll talk to you next week. See you. Bye, y'all. Bye-bye.